0: Hello, my name is Russell Howcroft. I've lived a lot of lives. I've been an ad man, a CEO, a chair, an author, a panellist, and I'm currently co-host on a radio show on 3AW. I'm also partner and chief creative officer at Sayers Group, and I'm the host of this podcast. Welcome to Conversations, a Sayers podcast. Throughout my time, I've learned that so much of life starts with, yes, a great conversation, and that's what we're going to do here today. G'day, Matt. Hey, it's great to see you. Matt Heiner is Joint Managing Director at NetWealth. Matt started his career in financial services when he joined at NetWealth in July 2001. Matt's experience in sales, marketing and product brings a hands-on understanding to his role. Matt has a passion for advice, that's good news, superannuation, investment and tech or technology, and is a regular media commentator and presenter on these topics. In fact, Matt... Doing podcasts is something you've been doing quite a lot of recently, am I right?
1: It is indeed, Russ. I've got my own podcast, seems like a good time for a plug, uh, called Between Meetings. So right. very nice to be a guest and not the interviewer for once.
0: So tell us, what's the proposition around Between Meetings?
1: Yeah, it's not, not nearly as exciting as this one. So it's quite niche in that um, I interview financial service professionals, so senior executives from the industry, uh, and it's really about personalising them, so understanding what their backstory is, what brought them into the industry, what leadership lessons they've learnt throughout that period and uh, and what they think the future holds. So paint for us a net wealth picture. Okay, so the f- first thing is we're a, an overnight success that's taken 20 years, so I, I often hear that, people calling us sort of the new entrant on the block, and we, we always sort of laugh about that. But um, net wealth is a technology platform, so we enable advisors and also investors to manage their – their portfolio is better. So clients and advisors can invest into a range of assets, so international shares, local shares, managed funds, cash, term deposits, uh, and then we do all the hard work for them. So we do all the reporting and tax reporting and and paperwork uh, so that they can concentrate on things that are more important. I mean, seriously, how good? And is this all on the touch of a button? Do I just go to my net worth app on the phone and go
0: bang? And then you just say, right, you're in trouble, Russ.
1: Indeed, yeah, so all, all online and we've, we've just launched our new mobile app, which is uh, very exciting. Fantastic, mate. So
0: now I want you to think of the very, very best place that you go to when uh, you're having a conversation, right? So it might be at a friend's farm, it might be by the, a fireplace outside, it might be in a bar, wherever. I want you to go there because at Sayers, we firmly believe that it's all about the having those conversations and that though they lead to ideas, they lead to innovation, they lead to being comfortable, actually is really what the the core is. I want you to feel like you can say stuff that you may not want to say. Right? Like be as bold as you possibly can be, because it's through those conversations that new ideas emerge uh, and hopefully you know new beginnings, new businesses, new opportunities, etc. So we're really into is having a really good, relaxed conversation here on the Sayers podcast and, in fact, at Sayers generally. So tell me, when you rate yourself out of five on having conversations, what sort of cat are you?
1: That's a good question. I was just getting over the fact that I'm sitting in my favourite chair down at Lawn, looking back over the bay. Beauty. Uh, So how do I rate myself on conversation? I think all males always rate themselves above average, don't they? So it's (laughs) amazing how many people are above average. Yes, (laughs) right. I don't know. I think I'm pretty good chat. Fantastic. Right. And you like to have a chat? I do like to have a chat. And
0: so we're at Lawn, uh, and we're overlooking the water. Indeed. And we're having a sensational conversation about just stuff that's going on right now. Now, as you say... Net wealth of 20, an overnight success that's taken 20 years. So tell us, let's go right back to the seed. What was the original idea?
1: Yeah, so the original idea, so it was right back when the internet was just starting, uh, which makes me sound old now as well. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, right at the height of the, the dot-com bubble. Um, The old manager sold his previous business, which was in financial services and specialising in property, and he'd been sort of looking at this idea or this emerging sort of trend in financial services, which was the uh, the platform business, uh, but it never really quite fit with what they were doing in the sort of the listed and the unlisted property space. Um, So with the sale of Hunter Management, he took two weeks off, um, doesn't play golf and, and had no one to play with. Uh, and started up net wealth, which was really at the time about leveraging the internet which was still very new uh, and doing something um, that allowed direct investors at the time so not even advised uh, to manage their money in an e- easier way. Um, from that uh, after a lot of hard work uh, we basically sort of pivoted the business and quickly realised that uh, that was going to be really difficult and so uh, we started to work with advisors which was a, an industry that we knew really well Okay, uh, and that was sort of uh, the, the start of it but it took a long time to get to get going, and I think as everyone uh, always uh, says, um, things typically take four times as long and cost five times more money.
0: Right. Okay. So, is your father still in the business? He is. And what's his name? Uh, his name's Michael. Michael. And uh, do you work together every day?
1: Uh, well, we work together every day, but remotely, clearly, for the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I get it. So we've worked together now for twenty one years, uh, and um, and it's great. We, we've uh, we've got very complementary skills, um, and we also. Have polite disagreements as well, which I think is right. really, really healthy, and uh, and that debate is actually what's allowed us to uh, sort of come up with new innovation and new ideas.
0: Fantastic. So look, numbers matters. Numbers matter, in particular
1: in the game you are in. So give us a bit of
0: a feel for the size. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, so the business now, uh, so across all of our products, uh, is in excess of sixty five billion dollars. Uh, did you and say
0: sixty-five billion?
1: I did. It's a lot of zeros. <laughs> yes, and uh, and we're growing really well. So we're, we're the fastest growing platform in Australia. And last quarter, we had another record quarter where we uh, we raised four billion dollars in the three months. Congratulations! Now, marketing—that's obviously what I like to talk about. Uh,
0: Net wealth, good name, great—it's gen- like a great generic name that you've managed to obviously grow an incredible business off the back of. Tell us what your marketing tools are.
1: Yes, yeah, so we uh, we don't spend a lot on marketing. Uh, it'd be nice to, but we've sort of always had to do things. You've only on, got sixty five billion. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're scra- scraping for pennies, so uh, it's all about giving it back to the investors. And uh. so we're probably our biggest uh, focus is around content marketing. So we do a huge amount of research, um, both on local trends. We spend a lot of time sort of looking overseas to see what's happening over there. Uh, we do a lot of white papers, podcasts, as we we touched on before. Um, and it's really around educating and helping not only our clients but the advice market mature, um, run better businesses, help service their clients better, um, and that's brought a lot of credibility to the business, and you mm-hmm. know, people come to us now and, and they see us sort of as the, um, you know, the point of contact for anything technology-related, uh, managed account-related, uh, platform-related.
0: Fantastic. So um, can I get the crystal ball out and um, we, let's have a conversation about the future. You up for that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so interest rates.
1: Oh, I hope they go up. All right. so tell us why. Yeah, so it, our business is an interesting one um, and by chance not designed. Uh, we've built in a whole range of natural hedges but um, one, one of the uh, revenue lines within our business is actually uh, on the cash that we hold and so obviously whilst rates are at the rate that they are, um, it's not appropriate to, to go negative and we never would uh, so um, we've been absorbing a lot of that uh, margin and passing it back to the clients uh, but equally, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, so um, uh, some have suggested that we're trading on a fairly high PE at the moment, and if interest rates do start to, to increase rapidly, uh, there might be a re-rating of tech stocks or growth stocks. Mm-hmm. So uh, on one hand, we're looking forward to interest rates increasing because it will help our revenue line, uh, but uh, outside of that, we are cautiously uh, interested in what might actually happen to the market if that occurs too rapidly. Wages? Uh, wages are already gone up. Uh, I think this whole idea of transit le- uh, transitory inflation... I don't believe it. I think Mm -hmm. it's here to stay. I'm really struggling to see how wages are going to revert. Even menus in the city now are up 30 or 40%. Uh, Dishwashers I saw are getting paid $50 now. People can't get chefs. Uh, I'm doing a renovation at the moment and certainly steel and wood is up 40%. I don't see that reversing in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm really worried about it.
0: Yep. Yes, I can see that. Um, Interestingly, I heard an individual was paid a $2,000 sign-on fee to go and work at a pizza shop.
1: I haven't heard pizza shop, but I've certainly heard other restaurants where they're uh, paying big sign-on fees to staff. And uh, stock market, what do you think? Uh, stock market, I'm pretty optimistic about over the next sort of tw- twelve to twenty four months. Uh, we, if you look at just the amount of pent up economic activity that's going to come out of uh, sort of the re- uh, reawakening of the world, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's going to drive markets well for, for the next twenty four months. Uh, all coming back down to what happens with interest rates, though.
0: So you might remember, I'm going to say two years ago, um, a Harvard study came out and it talked about the sophistication of economies and I was shocked to see where Australia um, was ranked like I can't remember the precise number but I remember it was in the 70s Uh, like we were let's say 75th in terms of sophisticated economies and in fact we declined over the last 30 40 years now does it surprise you that we were that far down and do you think we need to do something about it
1: I'm shocked actually that's sort of almost bottom 10 isn't it Mm. and do we need to do something about it Clearly, yes, <laughs> clearly. But but I
0: presume it's because, well, in fact, I know it's because the vast majority of our economy still remains primary produce or primary primary industry, I should
1: say. Yeah, and that's and that's a huge challenge in itself. If you look at where the rest of the world's going, uh, it's very much technology based. Uh, there's new industries around AI. Uh, you know, there's electric cars. Uh, there's so much happening out in the world, and we really are lagging. Where we need to be, um, so it's really pleasing. Particularly in Melbourne, we are starting seeing some green shoots, um, and certainly in Sydney as well. And we're starting to see some global tech companies yep. uh, being born out of out of Melbourne and Sydney and, and Brisbane more recently. Uh, but there's a long way to go and uh, everyone seems to be pointing fingers at each other as to whose responsibility is to do something about this. Yes. Um, And what's actually transpired, and I think it's probably not a bad thing, is that the tech industry, as an example, has taken it upon themselves to actually do something about it. They've almost given up on the government and said, this is something we need to solve. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to be bringing talent back in. We need to be grooming and creating a a, a VC environment. Um, And that's really productive and you've got some fantastic people sitting behind that and pushing it forward. So let's talk about...
0: Oh, the last, People have been saying, oh, we've had two years of pandemic. We actually haven't had two years of pandemic. It's been 20 months, I suppose, now. So let's talk about the last 20 months. Um, give us some good stuff that's happened.
1: Some good stuff. So I, I think this is obviously on a backdrop that it's been a very different experience for, for everyone. I don't think anyone's had the same experience, um, depending on if they had kids at home, uh, if they are in a share house at university, trying to complete Year 12. I've actually had a pretty good two years. Um, I've been fortunate that I was able to move to uh, regional areas with my family, mm-hmm. um, and, that, and that's been an incredible experience. Um, you know, I've never spent that much time with my family. I've, I've got very young kids. I've got four-year-old twins and a six-year-old. Um, and you know, pre-pandemic, I would have been on a plane every week yeah. um, away from home, uh, not having dinner with them. Um, you know, off to work before they would uh, you know, sort of get up and have breakfast. So, um, from that perspective, it's, it's been really nice to actually spend time with my family. Um, it's weird now. Going away or coming to Melbourne, we're still living regionally. Uh, to Melbourne for a couple of days and, and realizing how much you actually miss them. Yeah. Um, everyone drives you nuts while you're there, uh, but then it's something very quiet. Yes. Uh, so I think family time's been great. Um, I think from a productivity perspective, work-wise, um, again we've been really lucky in that our business, you know, like everyone, moved to remote working back in March 2020. Um, we've basically spent no time back in the office, um, and we've got a brand new office which we tried to open five months ago, which is actually sitting I remember, yes, yeah, <laughs> still sitting there empty. So we're we're finally opening that twenty fourth of this month, um, but um, the business has operated really well, and we've proved that we can do it remotely. Um, we've proved that flexibility can be part of our work week, um, and we're certainly huge advocates now of, of flexibility moving forward. And um, we can talk about that separately if you like. Uh, but we're also looking at talent now. We're just about to hire someone in Singapore. Uh, we've got a dev team in Vietnam. Uh, we've got developers moving to Sydney, people in Tassie. Uh, and that's something that we would never have contemplated yes. before. But now it's about, okay, let's find the best talent wherever they are. Uh, and I think that's that's awesome. Um, I think it's actually got everyone to just slow down a little bit yeah. um, and think about well, what is important. You know, yeah. what, what do I want out of life and how do I actually manage this moving forward? So I,
0: I agree with you with regard to... The mindset around let's get some talent from wherever they come from right so if I'm speaking to someone who's in Fiji and they're awesome and they want to stay in Fiji and work for my company I get it and I think that that is obviously here to stay but tell me more about the city I I think this to me is a really we're at a very critical junction right now on what is going to happen to individuals officers the price of property in offices, the valuation of property in, in the CBD, the services that have been put in the CBD in order, to, in order to serve a certain amount of people. So, I don't know, again, crystal ball, tell me about the CBD.
1: Well, I can tell you about our current situation. So, I, I mentioned that we're opening our new office on the, the 24th of this month. Uh, we've just done our uh, staff survey, or poll survey, which we do every quarter, just to see how people are feeling. Uh, and... Currently, less than 1% of our staff would like to come back five days a week. Wow. And the majority uh, would suggest that one, maybe two, seems about right. <laughs> so, it, which is pretty scary. And I think from a cultural perspective, um, we've just got to get people back together. We've you know, had 150 people start that have never met their colleagues and never been to the office. And, and it's very hard to build an embedded culture when it's trying to be done via, via Teams or Zoom. Um, So that creates a whole lot of problems and I had my first full day in the city yesterday and it is still a ghost town. Uh, I tried to get a coffee after midday and couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't know where to get my lunch because all the cafes were shut. So there's a lot of things and we need to get the coffee shops open, we need to get the restaurants open to get the people back in, we need to get the people back in to get the coffee shops open and the restaurants open. So we're sort of in this chicken and egg situation at the moment. Um, So the way we're thinking about it um, and it sort of comes back to a little bit of science, it takes 66 days to form a habit. And so on the flip side of that, it takes 66 days to break a habit. So we've got <laughs> two years of bad habits to break now and that, that's going to take uh, a very sort of mindful and purposeful approach, I think. So yes, agreed. Ha- how do we create situations and it might seem artificial but you know things like coffee carts and you know smoothie bars and lunchtime presentations or speakers you know what are the what are the sort of situations that we can actually encourage people to come back into the city Mm -hmm. so there's a reason other than sitting at their desk which is far more comfortable to do probably at home
0: yeah so uh, let's uh, uh, let's reflect on some of the stuff that hasn't been so good then over the last 20 months so yeah i I buy everything you've said with regard in particular let's call it the work-life balance Mm -hmm. I, i do i understand um, and have, pretty, have had pretty much the same experience. I mean, I literally have slept in my own bed for a lot of nights in a row, which has been very unusual. So tell us, though, some of the bad stuff, right? You know, some of the stuff you don't ever want
1: to see again. Oh, work-life balance is probably a good place to start. All right. Uh, there's the good side of it, and then there's the bad side, where it all sort of blurs into one, um, and we're certainly finding that there was no off switch for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at home, they might as well work. 13, 14 hours, and it's certainly not at our encouragement. Uh, it was through boredom often, uh, but also just that sort of inability to differentiate between, you know, work and home life. So people are feeling pretty burnt out. Um, I think this great resignation uh, that we're starting to read about and hear everywhere, uh, it was a bit of a buzzword, but I think it's, it's real. Yes. Um, and it's only going to accelerate coming into January, February. And if I sort of try and boil it down to what, what's really driving it, people are bored. And if someone puts a shiny new toy in front of them with a little bit more money... Um, they're going to take it, yeah. uh, particularly if they don't have the benefit of their colleagues that they enjoy working with, uh, sort of sitting next to them to remind them constantly how much fun it actually is where they work.
0: Yeah, yep. so that lack of network yep. is going to play a role. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, because I, certainly over the last decade, probably decade plus really, people have moved in order to get a wage rise. Now, there may well be a fight for talent and some significant wage rises occurring, in the, it like now. Mm. Well, I can see that happening.
1: Yeah, well, the wage rise—it's um, fascinating. So if you look at uh, the actual stats, you'd think that everything was fine. And I was quizzing an economist about this the other day, saying so I don't understand it because people that we were paying you know, developers, uh, engineers, who were paying one hundred twenty thousand dollars, are now getting offered one hundred eighty thousand dollars to work at a startup. Uh, and this has all happened in the space of about three to four months, um, and we're seeing this across the business in you know most of the roles. And I think the reality is that the government has actually had a freeze on salaries now for twelve or eighteen months. And because they make up such a big part of the workforce, it's actually artificially keeping the averages down. Right. So you've got hospitality, financial services and a range of you know technology and a range of other industries that are seeing this sort of you know wage uh, pressure skyrocketing, but we're just not seeing it in the official numbers. And, and that's that sort of hidden inflation as opposed to transitory.
0: Yeah, and I think there might be something interesting going on with regard to, let's say, normal institutions, significant businesses. And those significant businesses, they are... They're they're burdened with just a lot of bureaucracy, and they're burdened with a lot of behaviours in a way. So you can I can imagine a lot of smart individuals are saying, you know what, I don't want to be burdened with that big beast. I'm going to go and give small startups a crack. Which
1: it's got to be a good thing, doesn't it? Yes and no. It depends which side you're sitting on. Right. <laughs> if, you're the, if you're the big dude, if you're the one attracting the staff or losing the staff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair enough. So if I'm losing the staff. It's going to be hard for me to replace them, then, isn't it?
1: Uh, at the same salary, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we we're hoping that we might be a net benefactor of this uh, great resignation. Okay. Uh, but we're going to have to work hard and make sure that our employee value proposition's out in the market, and that we're they're actually selling ourselves. And nice. Right. So to be to be the benefactor, you're going to have to
0: start making sure that that net your proposition is well-known in the market. Mm. So and you he- might have to spend some of that sixty bill <laughs> on some marketing. Well, I'm thinking through it.
1: Uh, LinkedIn might be the key benefactor oh, yeah. here. Oh, there's mm. no
0: doubt about that. I mean, it is, that is an incredible platform, isn't it? I love it. I live on it. Yeah, you live on it. Do you invest in it? Uh, no. No. And tell me about, your, so in terms of investment strategy, you are offshore, aren't you?
1: Uh, we are so uh, so we, we don't actually invest people's money. That's the beauty of what we do. We're just the the infrastructure, the picks and shovels, if you like. Nice. Um, so it's always disappointing when the um, the newspaper publishes the you know the best performing super funds and the worst performing super funds, because inevitably we're in the bottom ten. Mm-hmm. And when we get our clients ring up and say, "Well, what's with your performance? You know, this doesn't look very good." I say, "Well, guys, you pick the assets," wow. and that sort of ends the conversation fairly quickly. <laughs>
0: okay, so <laughs> you've been a leader for uh, some time now.
1: So. Again, the last 20 months, it's
0: been a bit of a challenge. So just when you reflect on your leadership style um, and the success you've had, what are some of the core components of that?
1: Uh, So we're very driven uh, by values and purpose in our business. Um, So we've really tried to embed our values into the company through our staff reviews, through the way that we communicate and talk to each other, um, and ultimately we hope how people make decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that the values have been really important. Um, but we've also been you know, really genuine. I mean, that is a key value of ours uh, and making sure that we're over-communicating to staff throughout the whole period, um, recognising that things aren't always going to be good, uh, that we don't always have all the answers, uh, but the, we are looking at it and we're working on it and we're happy to adjust and be agile where we need to. So um, I think the communication has been critical. We've done a lot of work around um, health and uh, and wellness as well, trying to keep people moving, um, focus on mental um, uh, wellness, mm-hmm. mental health. Um, and it was really, really pleasing the other day. Actually, um, a staff member that was actually leaving, uh, which is not the good news story. Uh, but on the way out, she said, "Look, I just got to say, I really appreciate all of the sessions she ran with external experts. It actually saved one of my friends from killing herself uh, because I had the tools and the um, and the mechanisms to actually identify that something was wrong and to do something about it." So very good. You only need to hear one of those stories, um, and it and it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah,
0: that's extremely good. Um, the PwC does something very similar and that has been of great value to many people that I'm aware of. So you have been working with your dad. Mm. Um, So the notion of a parent and child developing a business, it's something which, of course, it's not unusual for it to happen, but to make it successful must be pretty tough. Um, You are in an environment right now where there is a parent and there's a child. So give us some tips on how do you make... A success out of a intergenerational business.
1: Yeah, and I think for every success, there's many, many failures. Uh, we've worked with businesses where we've seen the father son almost punching each other on the floor, uh, and that, that's unfortunately not not uncommon. Um, look, I don't think there's a, a silver bullet. Um, you know, dad's probably the be- better one to ask about uh, you know what made it work, because ultimately. Particularly, uh, you know, in the early days, it was up to him to make it work. It wasn't wasn't my job. Mm-hmm. Um, we often talk about the the young bull and the um, and the old bull, yeah. um, and I think both of those roles are really complementary. In that you've got, you know, in his case, no hair but grey hair, uh, and a lot of experience, um, and I'm working at a million miles an hour and coming up with lots of ideas, but being able to then have those sort of different uh, perspectives um, generally works really well. Right, uh, and it also. Uh, I think, and he's, he'll often say this, is that he recognised at an early point that he had to give me uh, a relatively long leash uh, and let me make my own mistakes. Um, he was never going to give me enough control, uh, particularly early on, that you know something was going to blow up or it was going to ruin the business. Uh, but he, he let me have freedom to actually go and you know, learn what I needed to learn and make my own mistakes. And, um, and, and that was really productive. And I think I'm lucky in that for 20 years, uh, through the business, uh, when I started, there was, I was the fifth employee. We had no business. It was pretty colours on the spreadsheet. Uh, you know, we're doing everything from designing banner ads for 9MSN uh, to collecting the mail and processing applications, which my team doesn't let me anywhere near these days. Yep. Um, so, you know, really got a really good founding in, in every single part of the business. Um, and I think, you know, that's about the best education you can get. Uh, but, but equally... Uh, I'm also fortunate in that he has been in financial services for his whole career uh, so even as uh, my brother and I even as young kids and I think I bought my first stocks when I was six Yeah. Uh, a company called Hayoma, it was a, a gold mine well done uh, didn't do very well uh, but that was probably a good lesson in itself. Uh, so, you know, i have always been around sort of the concepts and he's been very open about, you know, when business was good and when business was bad and gave us sort of that, that sort of foundation that's yep. been incredibly helpful and useful in, in what I'm doing now.
0: So it's deep in your DNA.
1: Deep in my DNA.
0: That is very, very good news. <laughs> good to hear. So I want to give you the keys now. Not the keys to net wealth. I want to give you the keys to the country, right? So you're, you're in charge. Um, so tell us some of the things that you would do. Uh, obviously... I'm assuming you and I would be aligned in that we want our country to be prosperous and we want as many people as possible to do as well as they possibly can within the country that they've chosen to live in. So I'm assuming we're aligned around that, that we don't want all, you know, all the wealth to go to a few people. We want as many people as possible to do well.
1: I was hoping I could just get rid of taxes.
0: Well, okay, sure. I mean, the, you, you're in charge, right? So tell us some of the things that you'd like to do um, for greater prosperity.
1: It's a great, great question. Uh thing i'd do is we need to get the borders open Uh, we need to get uh people coming back into our country um we talked about wage inflation a lot now and that is a major driver of that there's just no one to do the work Uh, so we need to get the borders open in a hurry um it'd be nice to see that the states and the federal uh, rules and regulations were somewhat in sync Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we've seen for the first time ever how powerful individual states can be when they're left to their own devices what a federation actually is actually is correct so i think there's (laughs) probably some some work to be done there um, but Australia is a brilliant company. Uh, com- company. Com- wow, com- it is a brilliant ca- company. It, it, it's a brilliant company. It's yeah. also a great country. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of fantastic things about it, and I think we need to celebrate that yes. um, and really get back out into the world and remind the world how wonderful places are, like such as Melbourne. And I know that you've done a lot of work on this yourself, Russ. Mm-hmm. That was it. 1800s. Melbourne was the, the place to be.
0: And, well, no, at the turn of the nineteen, in, of the turn of the century, into yep. the year 1900. We were the richest city per capita in the world. That is absolutely true. Mm. Because of primary industry, because we were digging stif- stuff out of the ground and selling it to the world, of course, gold in the main. Yep. But, yeah, we, um, we, were a, we were an incredibly wealthy city and we still are a very wealthy city. There's no question of that. Um, but a bit more growth would be good, I think.
1: It would be. And, and that comes back to the brain drain as well. So how do we stop people leaving our great country and actually seeing it as a destination and somewhere to stay and grow and prosper? Because uh, I think the grass is always greener somewhere else. Um, and it's great to visit New York and London and all those exciting places. But uh, I love living in Melbourne. It's
0: interesting you bring up the brain drain. I, I, I genuinely see that as a threat in the coming couple of years.
1: Mm. And again, it's a bit like the Great Resignation. People are bored. They've been stuck in their state. They've been stuck in their home. Yep. Um, and as soon as someone gives them a shiny new toy or an opportunity to live overseas, they'll jump at it.
0: So put your brand hat on. Um, you're in charge of Brand Australia. So what would you articulate that for me, articulate the good stuff that's going to drive our prosperity and people wanting to come here.
1: So I'm a huge fan of Lara Bingle. Um, I, I think nice. I, I think I don't. Did you work on this ad campaign? No. Okay. So I can be I can be open and honest. Um, I don't think it did Australia any favors as far as the positioning. Um, we have great beaches and it's great fun. But if we're talking about the brain drain and wanting to get some intellectual capital mm-hmm. that, back into the country, um, I think we need to balance that message of being you know, free and easy and uh, living on the beach uh, mm-hmm. with it being a serious economic center and um, being a place where people can actually find opportunity to, to set up their startup or to, to make. Um, you know, a good future for
0: themselves. Great. So um, I've been speculating with myself that there may well be some headlines in the coming weeks. That let's say the headline is: Did we waste the crisis? Right. The proposition being that one should never waste a crisis. Yeah. So Winston Churchill. Yes, indeed. So did we waste this crisis? It's a that's a pretty hardcore question. Um, however, you might say the answer's no, right? So I'm going to ask it of you. Do you reckon we are going to see some headlines soon that says we've wasted this crisis.
1: I hope not. And the reason I say that is that it really has been a very different experience for everyone. So there's a lot of businesses, and and we've been incredibly fortunate that our business has been a key benefactor of the crisis, Uh, but there's a lot of businesses that haven't done well as well. Um, Thinking about the good stuff, though, um, in the face of adversity uh, comes innovation, and I think we've seen a massive amount of innovation actually coming out of the crisis. We've seen new business models emerge. Uh, we've seen, you know, if you're thinking about the restaurant industry, groups yep. like Provador, uh, cocktail uh, bars, uh, doing home deliveries and, you know, gin and tonic to your door. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff where people are said... I mean, what's the hate about that? Absolutely. And they're good. Um, yes. <laughs> and so you know, I think if you you know if you think about all the good stuff and then what we need to make sure we do as a country so that we don't waste it... Yep is let's try and remember or work out what was the good stuff and let's not lose it. Mm. Let's, let's not just go back to how things were two years ago because I think that would be a real disappointment. Um, there was a lot of good stuff and we just need to really amplify the good uh, and kill off the bad. Good
0: man. So um, let's just go onto the streets of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So just, just tell us some of your
1: favourite places. Good question, Russ. I haven't been here for a couple of years, and I was uh, I was re- re- really struggling. I had dinner at Movita last night. Great spot. Great spot. And Andy always does a fantastic job down there, so uh, it was good to get back out there and, and see people in the restaurant. Um, so, Movita is always good fun. Um, but beyond that, it's been so long; I'm a bit rusty. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, t- all right then, when you were um, away mm-hmm.
0: in regional Victoria, mm-hmm. um,
1: did you get into the kitchen much? No, I'm a shocking cook. I, really? think, I think I might have tried once and my wife decided to ban me.
0: Oh my goodness. I'm good at breakfast. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so um, what's your favourite at home meal then? My favourite at home meal? Um, because I do breakfast, I don't mind a poached egg. Yeah. Um, I rarely stuff that up, which is good.
0: That's, that's much harder than it sounds, getting mm. the poached egg right. It's yeah. taken
1: me two years to get it right. Yeah, It's, it's all in the swirl. Bit of
0: vinegar? Vinegar, yeah. Very good. Yep, all in the swirl. Okay, so net wealth five years from now what are you seeing
1: uh, so I'm pretty excited about the future as you probably know or can, can tell mm-hmm. uh, we, we've got a massive opportunity ahead of us um, you know we have been going for 20 years uh, we're growing rapidly but the reality is that we've still only got about five percent of the market um, so we've got plenty of runway ahead of us uh, and you know we often get asked are you going to go overseas and we just don't need to Um, It's going to be distracting uh, and we've got so much to do here. Um, It's just about having a laser-sharp focus and and, and making sure that we don't blow up the opportunity ahead of us. Um, The the banks are exiting wealth. Um, We're in the right time at the right place. Um, When the Royal Commission occurred, which was, again, a horrible experience for many, Um, But off the back of that, it has fundamentally changed the way that the industry worked. Uh, We're seeing a huge amount of independent groups now. You can't use that word, but um, Mm -hmm. the the sentiment's there. Groups like Sayers, um, Mm -hmm. where they've been able to create really new and interesting propositions for clients that haven't existed previously and and couldn't for for various reasons. So um, we're going to be investing heavily into our technology. Uh, We're going to be heavily investing into our service culture. Um, We've recently announced uh, in the press that we are uh, seeking to merge with another company called Premium, so we'll see where that goes. Um, I think they agree it's a good idea, but we just can't agree on price. Mm, Yeah. And I just want to make sure that we we don't lose uh, what is going to be a golden age for us, I think.
0: I love the golden age. That's where I was going to go. Final question, final discussion. So 1918, 1919, of course, we all learned about the Spanish flu. So all of us know about the First World War, 14 to 18, and then, of course, our oh, Spanish flu, like, and 50 million people die. Um, and then, of course, that we moved into the 20s, and then that became known as the Roaring Twenties. I've got a feeling we might be about to experience that again.
1: Absolutely. Just a bit of a segue, uh, I was chatting to someone yesterday whose grandmother, no, sorry, grandmother-in-law unfortunately died last week, but she was born into the Spanish flu and died at the end of COVID. Oh, okay. Can you imagine that for a life experience? Um, So she sort of went through the last couple of years saying, I've been here, done this, I've seen it all before, (laughs) as the rest of us are all scrambling to try and work out what the hell we do. Mm. Um, So no, I I totally agree. And and I was at a lunch um, with a a great panel of restaurateurs, so Chris Lucas, um, Andy Ryan, and and a couple of others. And, you know, they were just talking about how excited they were about the golden age and Mm. that really the next five years to 10 years, we, we should be able to get people back into Melbourne. And I think if everyone commits to it and says, you know, we are going to go into the city again, we are going to get on public transport, um, we are going to remember what it used to be like and the fun we used to have, um, I think we're in for a, for a ripping five years.
0: I, I agree. I agree. But I, I hope that it isn't a ripping five years just based on, on, let's say, a service economy with individuals spending the salaries that they're earning on a better cappuccino. I'm hoping that there is a opportunity through the Roaring Twenties that we actually build a new world economy. I don't know, maybe that's too big. Um, just some new businesses. Mm. A Canva, an Atlassian in yep. Melbourne? I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and if you speak to any of the VCs, uh, they've never been so excited. That this whole – that you know, one of the things that COVID has done is it's accelerated technology adoption by minimum five years, maybe ten years in some cases, de- depending on the technology. Um, so our whole lives have moved online and our whole lives moved onto mobile because we had to – Um, so there's a lot of business models that have been created um, out of that but more importantly it's not just the digital natives anymore or uh, you know sort of the millennials or the gen Zs that are using technology Uh, it's every single age group Mm. Um, so it's your grandma it's your parents um, and they're all really comfortable with it now so uh, it's not foreign to them and it's not this sort of new scary thing Um, and off the back of that there's going to be some incredible business opportunities
0: I love it man Thank you very much for the conversation. We really appreciate it at Sayers. It's all about the conversation and we really sincerely wish you all the very best with your next five years. I hope it is as golden for you as, a, as I hope it is for the entire country. Good man.
1: Thanks, Russ. Been fun.